Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. So this yeah, maxed out series, how many feel maxed out sometimes? Yeah, um, and so the purpose of this series is to make room, make space for meaning in a crowded life. And our lives get crowded. There's so much in our uh, world today, in our lives today, that every second of every day can just be filled and overflowing, not necessarily in a good way. And it's, uh, the biggest challenge we have is, 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 is making space and creating margin in life. And so what this series is aimed to do is not simply provide self-help, and there's a lot of great books that you can read about time management and financial management and stuff like that, and that's all good. Well, we want to look at some scriptures to bring in a biblical help to deal with this uh, issue and the different ways that we experience it. Um, the theme verse for this series is from Philippians. It says, I've learned, Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, uh, saying, I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do all things through Christ, through Christ who gives me strength or strengthens me. And that secret uh, that enabled Paul and enables anyone like you or me, any Christian, uh, to uh, manage or to make it through the secret of living in every situation is that you, could, you do it through Christ. And uh, well, it just lined up perfectly <laughs> with what Jen was sharing and the testimony that regardless of the battle, if we're, if we're facing it through Christ or in Christ, uh, because it's Christ who strengthens us and enables us to go uh, through the battles and the obstacles that we face. Last week I addressed this issue particularly uh, talking about financial stress and financial pressures. Today, I want to just broaden it out, and we need to apply this uh, in, in many ways. I'm talking in general terms, but apply it emotionally, uh, 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 physical challenges, um, uh, time challenges, uh, whatever it may be. We all face times when we're overworked and under-resourced when we feel like there's more demanded of us than we have the resources to uh, respond to. And uh, so this is about uh, looking to Scripture and maybe finding some truths to help us uh, learn how to maximize the time that God's given us, the strength that God's given us, the health that God's given us, in a way that uh, makes it the most meaningful from a biblical or a spiritual perspective. Sound good? Say amen. amen. I'm an old-fashioned preacher. I need encouragement. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus said in John 10, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And so Jesus' purpose is to give us an abundant life. And the amplified translation of that verse, which is like the most words we can cram into the verse <laughs> translation, is I came that they may have and enjoy life 
and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And the word can continue to be defined super abundant. This is the Greek word is actually like, like abundant, abundant, you know, the repetition. It's like more than you can imagine abundant, superior, extraordinary, surpassing, more excellent. <clears throat> and so the abundance is not only in quantity, but also in quality. All right. Big difference there, isn't it? So God, Jesus wants us to have more in the sense of more quantity, but also more quality. Uh, I like to compare this. If you've traveled around the world, um, I was just talking to a man that I met uh, a few days ago, <clears throat> and he'd traveled a bit. And you know, Americans have a lot of food. We have more food than we can know what to do. We throw away more food than many countries have to eat. But let me tell you, we don't have the best food. <laughs> it's absolutely true. I hate to break this to you, and this is, this is the main reason I go on mission trips. <laughs> I'm serious. It's like, it's like unbelievable, the difference. And, and, and maybe the, you know, the selection isn't as great, but the quality. And God wants us to have not just a lot, but he wants us to have the best life. He wants to fill our life with the good and, uh, and plenty of it. So living life to the max is something that Jesus has promises, and it's something that Jesus enables. And so we, we're not talking about uh, uh, not having an abundance or living an extraordinary, exceptional life. No, that's the promise. We're talking about not being maxed out in a negative sense, in a way that actually makes it so that you can't enjoy all of the benefits that God has for you because you're stressed out and overburdened by maybe stuff that God doesn't intend for you. All right? <clears throat> so Jesus has promised, God promises, the life in Christ is this abundant, overflowing life to the max. Um, but you know what? That's not the only thing Jesus promised. And so I just want to speak into uh, this uh, uh, really tension, if you will, or, or, or balance to this idea. Jesus also promised in John 16, he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace. How many want peace? All right, this is available. In me, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. That's a promise. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. And uh, in Christ, in him, we can have peace. But let me tell you, there's a promise that in the world, we're going to have tribulation. And I like the King James word there, because uh, tribulation means a grinding into dust. Right? A tribulum. And so, same promise, same phrase of Jesus. You'll have peace in me, but in the world, you're going to be crushed. And I'm like, wow. And in the midst of that, he says, but you can have peace. And take heart, because I've overcome the world. And so there's a very, very real tension here, isn't there? And if you, if you, if you believe one without the other, it, it, you're not going to... If you believe that, oh, everything's going to be great, I'm going to have peace, and then all of a sudden the reality of life hits and you're crushed, you're like, oh, Jesus wasn't true. No, Jesus was absolutely true. In this world, you're going to have trials. How many experience sorrows? You know? Uh, uh, but in the midst of that, 
we can have peace. And, and removing the false expectation that following Christ is a life, you know, a, a bed of roses and everything's fine. And, and um, <clears throat> you know, gosh, if you're, if you're depressed, it's because you're not, you don't have enough faith. No, that may be, you know, I've had people where they've explained their situation and they feel so bad. And I said, that's because you're sane. You're rational. That means you're not crazy because what you're going through is really hard and it's horrible and it's difficult. And sorrow is the right. Jesus was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. All right. And so if, if our Lord and Savior, the, the, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, uh, uh, is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, then why should we be surprised when it's our time to experience that? And remember that the purpose of God leading through us, leading the purpose of life is to get to know God. And if you don't experience sorrow, if you don't experience grief, you won't know that part of God. Right? And God experienced it you know, exponentially more than any one of us. <clears throat> and so that false expectation is actually the bigger problem. Another place Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. But if you try to hang on to your life, kind of an interesting I mean, I don't know if this is the way it, it is in the Greek, but in the English there, it's like hanging on the cross or hanging on to your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a play on words. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Wow. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Now, we've heard this so many times as Christians and in 20th century or 21st century. Jeez. <laughs> How'd that happen? I mean, really? I remember when I was in grade school and I was doing the math. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say this. I was like, I wonder if I'll be alive when this, you know, it'd be so cool from the last century to to see a century change. I'm like, I don't know if I'll make it. (laughs) Seriously, I was like, I I probably won't still be alive, you know, uh, because I was going to be in my 40s. (laughs) <laughs> now it's like 18 years ago. Like, oh my word, how can this be? Sorry. So we read this in the 21st century, and this doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, take up your cross. Oh, that's, you know, you wear something, on, you wear jewelry. When Jesus has said this, everyone that heard him knew what that meant. Carrying the cross was carrying the instrument of your execution, of utter humility, of the removal of every right and privilege. And I hate to tell you this, but they were crucified naked after they were beaten. And they hung on the cross until they died. It was a gruesome, horrible sight. And for Jesus to say that, it would have been shocking for the people who heard him. <gasps> take up my cross. And he says, you can't follow me if you're not willing to do that. Wow. Believe Jesus. He has a wonderful plan for your life. Crucifixion. 
But if you give up your life for my sake, that's the only way to get through this. So the reality is, not dying on the cross is worse. Because that means you die eternally. That you lose your soul. And so the, 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 the reality of the intensity of what Christ is calling us to is actually our salvation. Because the opposite of rejecting that cross is the losing of your soul eternally. And so just what was shared today, that our life here is but a moment. Eternity means so much more. From our perspective, it's hard to embrace that, but Jesus is telling it from his perspective so that we have a context to deal with the suffering that we have in our life. So following Christ means making choices based on his will and not our will. And when we do that, we can have the peace that he promises. We can have the abundant life that he promises. But it does mean sacrifice. It does mean yielding. You know, and thankfully, we um, you know, aren't living in a culture that it might mean your physical death. But many people in the world today are. But it does, you know, the enemy and the world has a way of finding a, a way to make us experience uh, yielding to God in a way that feels like we're dying to ourselves. Because we have to in order to live. And when we choose His way over our way, it means ultimately that will be the best. It always will. And that's how we, how we can do all things through Christ is because we choose His way and not our way. It enables us to, to walk and to deal with every situation successfully. That's the secret. So I want to share, those are some truths. I want to share uh, what I think is practical. I hope you find it practical uh, advice for when you're feeling maxed out, when uh, it seems as though there's too much coming at you, either physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, uh, relationally, in any way, uh, how you can respond to it. And, and um, I think this is a practical thing. I hope you find it practical in that you see your identity as being fully immersed in God. Okay, Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 2 is one of my go-to verses. I cannot tell you how frequently I run into this verse and kind of camp in the idea of this verse. It says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Okay, so it means moving what you're thinking about, the focus of your thinking from what's going on on the earthly dimension, realm, interaction, right? So any aspect of a relational problem, a financial problem, your boss is yelling at you at work, uh, you uh, can't pay the bills, you don't know what's going to happen, uh, the car is uh, careening toward you and you're going to be crashed, uh, whatever it is, you can move from there and put your mind on things above. You can connect with God. Again, this is not talking about after you die, heaven. This is talking about where God is, heaven, which is right here, right close. For you died, past tense. I'm already dead. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. So if you're facing a life-threatening event or it feels like you're dying, you just go, oh, wait a minute. Step back. You know, it's like freeze frame and step back. You know, I'm already dead. might sound morbid you know but 
uh, I'm already dead. Uh, the reality is, I am dead. That life doesn't exist anymore. I have a new life with Christ. This is the promise, okay? I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't say, I will keep you out of the shadow of the valley of, that valley of death. He says, I'm going to walk with you through that. All right? Wherever you go, I'll be with you. I walked it first. Now you're following me, but I'm with you there. And double bonus points. Not only are we with Christ, but we're in God. <sighs> so, when you're facing a situation that's overwhelming, realize in that moment you need to be able to change your perspective and see it from, oh, I'm with Christ, so I'm going to respond, as I talked about last week, through Christ. He's going to be my mediator and realize that I'm safe and secure in God no matter what happens to me physically, no matter what happens to me emotionally, no matter what happens to me financially, I'm secure in Him. And that gives you the peace and the strength. That's what strengthens you. And that's the secret of being able to live through every situation. <clears throat> there is a very real, albeit spiritual, barrier between you and every demand or outside force or outside pressure. And that barrier is Christ and that barrier is God. If you stay in him. <laughs> and it's easy to not stay in him when you run out of him and try to do it your own way or you rely on other things other than him to give you comfort or you try to do it in your own strength or use the strength of uh, ungodly counsel or wisdom and then you get outside of his will and then that can have very very detrimental effects but if you're in his will if you're in him there's a barrier there's this image in uh, the book by C.S. Lewis, Screwtape Letters, and I don't have a copy of it. I, I read it many years ago, but <clears throat> one of the, if you've read it, if you haven't, read it. Uh, Screwtape Letters is a, is a great little book, uh, and it's, the basis of it is uh, a senior uh, devil, demon, writing letters to a trainee, a junior demon, in the art of temptation, okay? And uh, it's brilliant. Uh, Lewis said it's, it was the most difficult thing he ever wrote because he had to get into the mindset of a, how a demon thought. Wow. Um, yeah, and so one of the just passing references in it is that they, there was one character, I can't remember if it was a woman or a man, but they could never touch this person. They could never, the demons could never get close to the person because they were always surrounded by a cloud. So they just couldn't get at them. They, could, they, they would attack other people in that person's life, but they couldn't reach them because they, they were always in the presence. Amen. Oh! That's the picture of a Christ-filled life, that anointed life that you're doing. You're in, your life is hidden with Christ in God. The enemy can't, they can try, but they can't get to you. And so stay in that presence. <clears throat> so second, uh, find your identity immersed in Christ and stay in Christ and learn how to do that. It's, it's something you have to practice. Because when, when problems come, you react out of your natural responses or out of fear and you forget that you're in Christ. And so you go, and so God's, God's real faithful. He'll take you back around 
and you'll have another chance at that problem. <laughs> it's just so, he's so faithful. He, he's unrelenting in his love and his discipline. Second thing is pick your battles. Pick your battles, guys. Even Jesus, don't you love it? Jesus knew how to disappear when it was time to disappear in the middle of the crowd. <laughs> don't you love that story? I don't know if you ever read it. It's in Luke chapter 4. The crowd was getting all stirred up, and they were going to beat him up, and it just said he just he walked right, he got away. He snuck away. Jesus snuck away. <laughs> I think it happened twice. The other time is when they wanted to make him king. He ran away. Here is the king of the universe, Jesus Christ, the triumphant one, running away. <laughs> ah! He said, it's not time for that. I'm gone. You know, and he just did it. Paul, the hero of the New Testament, uh, we'll hear more about him in a, in a few minutes. <clears throat> he knew when to escape out the window. And run away to the next city, right? And so there's times to run away. There's times to know that this isn't the battle. Sometimes you don't have the resources <clears throat> because it's not your battle. All right? And a big part of that is knowing, knowing whose authority you're under and what authority you have. All right? And staying in the realm of authority. And so understanding authority is really key to having a, success, a successful life, right? Knowing who you're under, authority, whose authority you're under, and respecting that authority. Of course, you're under the authority of God, but you're also, God puts you under the authority of different individuals, whether it may be your parents while you're living at home, or your spouse, or it may be uh, in the workplace, it's going to be your boss, it's going to be the company, um, you know, it, there's different realms of authority. We all are under the authority of a government, and we have to understand where that authority, the limits of that authority, and be respectful of that authority. But you also need to understand what you have authority in. So everybody's different. You are, your authority is different than my authority. And so if you're uh, just a single individual, if you're still living at home with your parents, they have a lot of authority over you. You know, if you're moved out, if you're an adult moving out, they have lesser authority over you, but they still have influence over you, and there's a, there's a change there. If you're married, your authority structure changes, because now as a husband and a wife, there's a, it shifts. You're no longer independent. You now share a life, and so you have mutual authority under God's authority according to God's plan. If you're a business owner, you have authority under that business. You make decisions. If you're a homeowner, you have authority over that home. If you're a renter, you have limited authority because you have an uh, Someone who owns the house, right? All of these authority structures are, are respected by God in the spirit realm. And so if, if something is in your realm of authority, you have authority over it. And you should know what is your authority. It's not parents that come to me and they're having problems with children. There's certain things that you have ultimate authority. In the, world, in the area of the spiritual dimensions and in prayer, you can pray, you can break demonic oppression, you can, you can stand between them and Satan, and you will win, okay? Um, <clears throat> I'm not saying you have ultimate authority over their lives as, 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 as their bodies or their, their freedoms, but in the spirit, in the prayer realm, you can have authority. 
to declare freedom over them, yeah. right? But your neighbor's kid, you don't have that authority, right. Right. right? And so you can pray for them, you can bless them, you can ask God to intervene, but there's a different realm of authority there. As a pastor, I have more authority over the people of my flock, but I don't have authority over somebody else's flock, all right? And so understanding this helps us pick our battles, knowing when you have complete authority and you're going to walk in your authority, and knowing that that's outside of my realm of authority, I'm going to respect that person's authority, and that gives me safety, all right? And so if you get outside of the realm of authority, then you expose yourself. Um, <clears throat> Paul, uh, God says in, in Romans chapter 12, written by Paul, says, if it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I love this verse. It's so real. It implies a couple of things here. One, sometimes it's not possible. <laughs> Don't you love how simple? Just, the Bible is so easy to understand. You know, if it's possible, do it. But realize, you know what, sometimes it's not possible. You know why there's contention and strife in this relationship? Because it's not possible. All things are possible. Whoa. All things, you can do all things. God will help you through this, all right? <clears throat> but it, through it doesn't mean he's going to change it. He's going to get you through it. And, and, and as much as depends on you. So some things don't depend on you, all right? So if someone's being contentious, if there's problems uh, attacking you, and they're being mean, they're being uh, unfair, they're being rude, you can step back, and as much as you, you don't be mean. You be rational. You be fair. But it doesn't mean they're going to change. All right? But as much as it's up to you, live at peace with all men. Um, and that, that's part of picking your battles. <clears throat> Although sometimes, uh, even when we do everything right, we are called to go beyond what we think we're able to. <clears throat> this is a great uh, story, or a little excerpt from a story. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth, explaining to them that he actually is worth listening to. Uh, and that uh, they had other teachers and other uh, leaders in the church influencing them, and, and he realized that you know, he was trying to instruct them, but they weren't respecting his authority. And so he's, he's explaining this, and it almost sounds like a rant. Second <laughs> um, Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 says, Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman. This might sound crazy, Paul's saying, but I have served him far more. Don't you love Paul's humility? <laughs> if it's true, it's humble. All right? And God must have thought it was true because he included it in his word. Wow. I have served Jesus far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Most people died having it done once. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. 
I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Now, why would God, why would God put that in Scripture? It's true. And it really, rad, I mean, Paul suffered that, and he communicated that, and God said, this needs to be, Christians need to hear this. Because this is this man who said, I can do all things. And these are some of the things that he was able to do. Because he was in Christ, and Christ strengthened him. And, you know, it's humbling, because we complain when the car breaks down. A car. They can get you anywhere. <laughs> and you got to pay a few hundred dollars to get it fixed. Uh, we can, we, yeah, I've seen so many people get so mad when the flight gets canceled. I'm like, you do realize we're traveling across the world in a matter of hours. You know, we go to Japan. It's a horrible flight, right? It's 14 hours, but I'm like, you know, realistically, this is magic. <laughs> you know, 100 years ago, it would have taken, you know, months. And there was a really good chance you weren't going to make it. All right? And here we're sitting in relatively comfortable seats being given food, right? And complaining about it. I'm like, gosh, you got to be careful. Right? <laughs> it could be a lot worse. This is a realistic image of the things that God's called us to. And a realistic image kind of resets our, our, our gauge, I hope. He also said, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. I'm not going to explain the whole armor of God. That's a great sermon. You can read it there in Ephesians. Uh, that we are to equip ourselves with everything that God enables us to have so that we can do everything we can so that we can stand. Wow. <laughs> okay, have you ever really thought about this? Having done everything to stand. That's not even advancing. That's just not getting knocked down. And sometimes you have to give it your all, and you have to take everything that's available from the hand of God and the kingdom of God and the word of God and the truths of God and the power of the Spirit just to stand. Just to stand. You know, and we think, oh, we need to, you know, yeah, he's going to lead us in triumphant victory. That's in the resurrection, guys. And if we get a little taste of that now, fantastic. I love when we have a triumph. When somebody wins, I love it. Come on. But sometimes it takes everything just to not back down. And that's winning. That's winning. That's being, that's living life to the max. Okay? Don't give up. Don't get condemned. Life is hard. Yes, it's hard. That's what the Bible says. But he gives you enough to endure. And in the end, we will have the victory eternally. And we will triumph. All right? God allows us to run out of ourselves so that we're forced to run into him. He sometimes allows us to run out of ourselves 
so that we're forced to run into him. This is, I hope to correct, a very common misunderstanding that people think, Christians say this all the time, I know God will never give me anything I can't handle. And I'm like, I, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, the truth is, God will never give you something he can't handle. And there's a world of difference there. All right? A world of difference. And in fact, I believe he actually leads us into places that we can't handle. And we read this in 2 Corinthians and another place that Paul's explaining some of the things he's endured. He said, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed. Read that out loud together. Beyond our ability to endure. I can do all things, but at this point, they, Paul, and his traveling companions, ministry companions, they were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. They were like, this is it. We're going to die. But as a result, listen, this is the principle. We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God. And if you're, not, if you're never brought into that position where you are unable to endure in your own resources, you'll never learn this lesson. If Paul had to learn it through an experience, you and I probably will too. There's something in life. And in fact, I think it comes up all the time. There's stuff I deal with all the time. I have to rely on God. I have to rely on God. Um, who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. And he will rescue us again. In other words, hey, this is just what it means to live as a Christian. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And that's the, that's the testimony that we get when we live that life of faith, when we live in the understanding that we can endure every uh, situation, that we can do all things through Christ, in Christ and through Christ. It doesn't mean we're a superhero. <laughs> doesn't mean we're invincible, but we're in him who is invincible, okay? Um, <clears throat> and it's being in that reality uh, of being in Christ that enables us to endure every situation because he is the Lord of every situation, right? And this is where we need to come to, to, to a real, very honest uh, evaluation of, am I a Christian? Okay. Have I accepted his lordship, not only over my life, I've, I yield my life to him, he's my lord. That means he's in charge. He's my boss. He's my savior. He's my father. Um, but he also is lord over every situation in my life. I yield every, my financial world, my emotional world, my relational world, every aspect of my life, I yield. He's Lord. That's how you live in Him. This is the only way, folks, that you can have the strength to do all things or to endure all things is if you're enduring Him through Him because you've accepted His death on the cross as payment for, and penalty for your sin for, for when you failed when you've fallen short and every time you fall short you go back to that cross and realize he paid the price oh jesus thank you so much when i fail i can run into you and the shame is gone and i can be safe all right that door will never close unless you close it 
It's the one thing God can't do. Not because he can't, but he's chosen to call you into relationship. He's not going to force you because it's not a forced relationship. He doesn't want slaves. He wants sons and daughters all right, to live in him. And the reason we have to experience suffering and sorrow and trials is because the purpose of life is to know him. Jesus was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. Death and destruction are always before the Lord. How much more the hearts of the sons of men, the word says. Every, Every time a person in the planet Earth suffers, God feels it. God takes everything personally because he has a capacity for the person of every man, woman, and child on planet Earth, and he loves them equally. And so when a person is hurt, betrayed, dishonored, disrespected, abused, regardless of their ethnicity, even regardless of their religious beliefs, it doesn't matter. He feels it. He feels it. He takes it personally. And And the relief to that, the response to that, how can a just God, how can a holy God tolerate suffering is that he took the suffering. And the level of suffering, the amount of suffering, the the justice that is going to be meted out, Jesus took the brunt of it so that we could be spared it. So that's coming into into Christ. That's having Jesus as Lord. And then that insulates you from every other aspect of life.